Yeah, this is for the thinkers. Yeah. The thinkers. Uh-huh. Uh, Put your thinking caps on. It's not- time for cognitive integration. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Welcome to the third and final episode in this mini-series covering the before, during, and after of a sacred mushroom experience. Integration is the focus today. Eric and Courtney explore what can help us integrate ineffable experience or new realizations into everyday life. Community can make a major contribution here, so share what you've learned in the comments. You're listening to Psilocybin Says. To support it, subscribe on YouTube and podcasts, and stay connected on Instagram and TikTok. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. Here we are. Hey, we are integrating our ideas of integration. Yeah, keep it jovial. Into this episode. What's happening? I'm just, you know, we had a fun weekend. Something the mushrooms told you to do? What, shake my shoulders? (laughs) Because I don't think I've ever seen that quite ever. Well. Actually, I did see that Friday night when we were out dancing. Yeah. So you're integrating an experience from another. And physical integration is part of that. Yeah. yeah, Integrating. I like it. Yeah. So we talk about integration a lot, right? Yeah, so, you know, if those of you who have been listening for the past few weeks, this is the third part in our three-part series of how to navigate psychedelics. Um, <laughs> I just, like, well, you know. Quote, unquote. Yeah, I know, because, like, there's no one way to do any of this stuff. We tend to separate it out into these, like, distinct categories, which they're not. Um, and I admittedly have a chip on my shoulder about whenever things get mainstreamed and I'm kind of struggling with psychedelics right now um, just because that, because they were, you know, fringy for so long and I usually get attracted to the fringy stuff and then now it's all mainstream and the most annoying aspect of that to me is that there are now thousands of psychedelic integration experts Mm -hmm. and most of those people have very little experience with psychedelics and integration in my experience is just not something that can be clearly defined into this distinct category and so anyway you know I, I kind of approach this topic sometimes with a little bit of like oh here we go again you know um, yeah. So I want to try to keep that out of it as much as possible, but you know, also expressing that um, once psychedelics are a normal part of our lives, then integration doesn't require that much, you know, like specific focused discussion, because ultimately integration is just. Good self-care practices. You know, all the stuff that we're going to talk about today, and I listened to a few podcasts 
kind of preparing for this, to hear what others are saying about integration, and some really good stuff out there. Novamind was a good one that I listened to, <clears throat> excuse me, some other YouTube videos and stuff. And as I was listening to it, you know, and reflecting on all the stuff that we advise people and all the practices that we uh, utilize ourselves, it's like, really, all this is, is just ongoing self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, that term in itself is, I think, quite a bit even more tainted yeah. than the term integration. Just cliched, you know. Yeah, like, what does that even mean? You know, I'm going to take Bubble baths, baths and do face moves and <laughs> schedule a mani-pedi <laughs> once Cucumber. every three weeks. Eye mask. So, like you mentioned, integration is really it's it's kind of like already how we are living already uh and then becoming more aware of how we're living and is an opportunity to implement new things into our life um change our lifestyle a little bit um or i mean it's it's not integration is not this wrapped up in a pretty little box with a bow right. conversation it's it's complex and it's personalized and it's variable and it's like part of this whole wonderful process of mm -hmm. having this experience with mushrooms or any other intentional psychedelic practice mm -hmm. it's a wonderful part of it and it's all like there's this quantum weaving of it is the preparation mm -hmm. and it is exactly. the experience and so i think like as we talked about on one of our recent episodes i think that's why a lot of our listeners listen to this is because we don't generally wrap things up into a pretty little box we try and then we take a step back and really but because grain we, of salt we, bl we blur all the lines yeah because that's life yeah so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think y'all know listening. We're not, um, we're not going to try and like make this a 10 step right. one and done type right. of conversation, but we right. have attempted to categorize and organize mm -hmm. some like common ways mm -hmm. in which we can intentionally reflect on mm -hmm. and try new things after mm -hmm. a sacrament experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a process. <clears throat> Integration is not, you know talking to your therapist about your psychedelic experience, where it's not just not that. Not just that. Definitely <clears throat> can be that, a right. part of that. So integration means to make part of a whole, to, to uh, bring something into a system and make it a part of that, of, of that whole system. Really, that's a, a loose definition, but when you look it up, that's kind of what it, what it refers to. And so that's ultimately what we're trying to do is these experiences that teach us we're trying to bring them into our lives and make them a whole a part of our whole operating system and as i was listening to these conversations and reflecting on it <clears throat> i'm really aware of integration is really something that um we can do with any um experience that is is impactful on mm -hmm. us, it is edu educating us or showing us a new perspective. Uh, so to take this conversation outside of the psychedelic box, I think might mm. be really helpful to, to applying the concept across the board, psychedelics and non-psychedelics. Uh, so, yeah, you taking a trip to Disney World? You're going to need to integrate that. 
going to maybe going to a concert. Probably going to be integrating that for a little while. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, going when to you, a when, family reunion. Well, when you I mean when you're saying this stuff, I'm trying to think about like actually, is that true? Or are you just talking, saying it just to be silly? But like, I'm, I'm being serious. It's, yeah, but I'm thinking about how like you go to a concert. How do you integrate a concert into your daily life? And I mean, I can think of ways. It's coming to me pretty easily. I'm sure I could expand yeah. on it more. But you know, um, just as the things we're about to talk about. I mean, one of the main things that I integrate from um, large communal experiences like concerts and festivals is a broader love for humanity. You know, going out and seeing people and enjoying themselves helps me bring that back into my everyday where I'm driving down the road and I'm like, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the same person who's at that concert and they're just, you know, trying to make the best of their life. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, take, yeah. it back, take it back to psychedelics. Let's, we can extend these experiences in life, whether these impactful experiences mm-hmm. in life with intentional practices. We can, because there is this common experience of going on a vacation or a trip or mm-hmm. an adventure and mm-hmm. having a, a big drop in like, you go on this high of this adventure and then you come back home and mm-hmm. here comes your routine and it's like it can feel oftentimes like oh well guess i won't have fun till my next adventure or i won't have this experience until mm-hmm. the next time i get to plan something big but if we have opportunities to intentionally talk about like extending that or diving back into that in small ways then um why wouldn't we do that yeah and i mean that. bringing that word into the conversation is perhaps more valuable intent intention bringing that word into the conversation is perhaps more valuable than into the conversation around the experience right that's a lot of times where you hear people talk about your intention what's your intention in working with the sacrament or psychedelics or whatever and as we talked about in the last one you know a lot of times you set those intentions you have a maybe have a reason that specific reason why you're approaching these medicines or or maybe not but like very often that intention is blown out of the water once you get into the psychedelic space and it the medicine has something else to teach you perhaps and but in this integration period intention is extremely powerful because that's when you are taking these lessons whatever the lesson that came out of the experience that you could not predict and then intentionally mm-hmm. working with that information in the context of your self-care self-development practice uh, so yeah i'm just yeah. i'm just looking forward to this conversation kind of maturing within mm-hmm. the psychedelics culture i guess is really what i what i get at when I, when I start thinking about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I think it already has a little bit. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So, like, what are the different, now that we've kind of set the stage for y'all and our general thoughts about integration, what are the, what are the pretty little boxes we can, we can, like, you know, get off the shelf and just try and put these. Well, when we were working on this training material, I did, um, kind of cat make a few categories of um, kind of intentional or ways of integrating. I don't know if you want to just kind of refer to that. 
Um, I don't have them all right off the top of my head. It's like six, I think, categories that we yeah. brought up. <clears throat> um, yeah, so we can um, just tell you all what the six categories that uh, we've come up with. Eric primarily has really kind of put these into containers for the broader consumption. Mm. Um, but those are verbal integration, uh, physical integration, cognitive integration, meditation integration, obedience integration, one of my personal favorites, and community integration, um, all of which have very valuable parts to each of them. So let's just talk a little bit about each one. So verbal integration. It's the one everybody knows. You just, I had this trip and here's what I got out of it. Now, the thing about that form of integration is that depending on who you're communicating with and how skillful of a questioner they are. And I still, like, I'm, again, please understand, I'm not knocking therapists at all. But I don't know that you need a therapist for this or even necessarily an integration expert. You need someone that cares. You need someone that's curious. You need someone who is not going to project their opinions of your experience onto your experience. And I've seen and so many times, like I said, the other voyagers there who were just curious or maybe who had an interesting um, connection with that person during the trip be a really powerful part of their uh, clarification, you know? So like the reason why this aspect of integration is so valuable is because you come out of these experiences and they're just confusing and distorted and uh, there's imagery or maybe some seemingly supernatural stuff that happens that you just have no context for. Uh, maybe you're doubting it, you know, did that, it, did that even happen? Or, and having other people there provide that feedback is a really powerful part of the integration of this, um, which, you know, solo trips don't allow for that. There's a lot that gets left. I mean, so much gets left on the table from solo tripping because you don't have mm -hmm. that third-party feedback. And you get, I mean, you know, you had that trip with uh, Amy recently and hearing you all talk about shared experiences during that experience, like with the dog or whatever it was, you know. Yeah, it, huge. It, it just supports your understanding that what you experienced was real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and this is something that I, you know, <laughs> a big topic outside of the integration conversation, but not necessarily because discussing and exploring this is a part of the integration, is that the psychedelic space absolutely opens up a window for um, supernatural, metaphysical oddities, things that happen that just don't normally happen in baseline consciousness and so you know talking about that more as a community and as individuals is a really important part of i don't want to say this word over and over and over so it's an it's an important part of solidifying those experiences of knowing that was real like when when i with another person witness an orb floating around in a circle right like if I get to communicate that with somebody and they say, I also saw it too. I was 30 feet away from you and I saw it. 
And then that adds a validity to my experience. So not only is there, you know, piecing out the experience and kind of understanding, interpreting, you know, we've got someone right now that's coming off the camping retreat who's trying to understand this uh, visual imagery that they got and they're bringing that conversation into the group and there's people saying, well, here's what, you know, if you look up the meaning of this uh, imagery, then this is what it often symbolizes or whatever. And so all of these ways that we can kind of help to provide insight and clues for each other into the interpretations and implications of our experience is really important. And then again, I think it is really important to uh, have that external validation of these encounters or experiences that you don't really have a framework for. Yeah, and I would add, um, to kind of wrap up this part of integration practice, that communication is... I think one of the most important things that we do on a day-to-day basis, um, and it's something that I would love to, in general, as a society, place more emphasis on learning about how to communicate more effectively and more peacefully. Um, <clears throat> and as you mentioned, some really startling things can happen in a sacrament service and to and likewise in life and (laughs) this is all just like a practice Uh, to me personally i see practicing with sacred mushrooms as just that a practice Mm -hmm. an opportunity with a wonderful friend and mentor the mushroom to gain a different perspective and to be able to practice communicating those insights with the people that I love, Mm -hmm. just as we do on a day-to-day basis. And as we see like in these stigmatized topics like religion and politics and these things that we have stopped talking about in public places out of fear of like hurting someone's feelings or saying the wrong thing or being isolated or shunned from Mm -hmm. our community. These are things that we could do very well to practice doing more of. And the sacrament space is a weird space, really weird oftentimes. And like life is really freaking weird as well. Mm -hmm. So we can utilize this opportunity, particularly with other people, like in my opinion, oftentimes ideally, if we're in the space with other people, those are the people that uh, it can be really, really helpful to practice communication with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just personally think that it's far more important to to have verbal integration with the people who you're taking the sacrament or psychedelics with than it is to have those conversations with a therapist necessarily. The therapist has a different role in all this, I yeah. feel like. And again, it's not to dismiss one over the other. Um, just putting the putting the putting some emphasis back on communal support and people who were there with you feeling the power of the experience communicating that to each other. For sure. And having that nonpartisan person, Mm -hmm. when you feel stuck and unable to figure out how do I communicate this 
really challenging feeling or idea with this person that I experienced this with because sometimes there are things that are hurtful that happen in mm-hmm. the sacrament space. Somebody might say something mm-hmm. from their own, you know, they're projecting their own stuff mm-hmm. onto you. And if you're not familiar with the space, it can feel like, you know, hurtful. And, um, you know, there's just like cha- various challenging things that no can doubt. be worked through. No so doubt. if you don't have much experience in communication skills, in practice, then I definitely think it can be really helpful to have that a person who is very familiar with communication techniques to help you out. Yeah, yeah, and very familiar with, with the, the the mushroom space. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So, um, so next to verbal is physical mm-hmm. integration. Let's get shoulder shaking. <laughs> So what does this mean besides checking your shoulders? It means aligning your chakras. Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to go over here and uh, talk about something else. Oh, I know. The chakras Trigger. are real, too. It means getting all of your crystals and perfectly <laughs> hey, aligning them. I just meditated with my crystal. I did it. <laughs> and it was great. Say all this in jest. You know. Well, halfway. Tongue in cheek, you know. Um, but that's an actual integration for me because I, yes, I have had such a um, anti-woo approach for the years, and by golly, I, I think that there is some magic to crystals, and so mushrooms have helped show me that, you just said that, and I'm integrating <laughs> it into my daily life by sometimes meditating with my crystal skull. You know, do you ever feel like you just wish you could record somebody saying something you just and did. show it to them like five years ago <laughs> to their past self and just look at their face, react? There's a whole lot of, <laughs> man. Well, that's, 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 that's in a, what? <laughs> that's, you know, that's integration is becoming a new person as you integrate the lessons no matter how strange they might be yeah all right so what's physical integration <laughs> what is that really what's so what that i re- what i referred when i was referring to in this was just physical activities that can help you get into a flow state mm-hmm. right yeah. um that's not necessarily all that it is but it, all of these forms of integration kind of can easily bleed into other forms so um and can i kind of keep some of it parcel to out but like for me it immediately gets blurry because in some of my experiences i have been instructed to um like lift weights more and be more mindful of my uh physical health and i don't know that that's necessarily a flow state you know um but it's a physical activity that is, uh, I'm trying to obey the lessons presented to me by the mushroom. But specifically when I'm talking about physical integration, <clears throat> at least what I try to highlight again is this flow state. Walking, running, um, like there's just so many things that you, gardening for me, you know, but then again, this is also bleeds into um, you know, getting out into nature, which can be another aspect of this as well. So 
Um, you know, the deal is, <clears throat> excuse me, at least in my kind of perspective on this, is that we really benefit from having that time where we're not thinking our bodies are just kind of running on, you know, muscle memory. We're just doing something that is keeps our body occupied and we're, we enjoy, but we're not like being pensive. We're just allowing our subconscious to slowly kind of release out. And by doing that, then oftentimes you'll have memories and further understandings coming up from psychedelic experiences or other aspects of life. Um, you know, there's a lot of research around the benefits of just taking like a 20-minute walk a day, especially like midday when you're kind of getting burnt out on all the thinking, problem solving, <clears throat> you set your problems aside and you go do something that is relatively mindless but also relatively enjoyable. And it's incredible how many um, wonderful insights and, and reflections come out of that period. So just more intentionally putting ourselves into physical flow states. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense to me. This is something, <clears throat> when I was an athlete growing up, um, the flow state was like a huge conversation. Like, how do we practice getting into a flow state mm-hmm. more? Because that's really where like our best performance happens and not just athletics like i'm sure if you're an entrepreneur or a creative person like that's where um studies have shown that like masterpieces Mm -hmm. uh, and like you're saying these great insights and visions come is in these flow states um which yeah, there's so many ways to achieve a flow state. You, you hear about marathon runners talk about getting into like mm-hmm. a flow state when they're running, and that's really like the sweet spot that mm-hmm. helps them win the race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, love making the best performance. Love making. Get into a flow state and love making. I did last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, uh, you did. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's. There's lots of ways. Qigong. Mm-hmm. Did you mention that? I didn't. That's Yoga, one of that's one of my favorites. Tai See, Chi. again, this is where the the you know sneak peek obedience integration leads <laughs> into <Sneak> the <laughs> physical. Because, like, I was told through my experiences to practice qigong, and that is a physical flow state. Um, yeah. So, yes, there's just so many ways, and it's all individual. You got to do what you love. Maybe you like playing golf or baseball or fishing, you know, something that you do with your body. Gardening, for me, is, is a big one. Yeah, uh, and... Hunting mushrooms. So there you go. I, I mean, like, I've had so many, so many hundreds of hours of, you know, intentional integration, walking around, looking for mushrooms, connecting dots, and... You know, feeling the bigger picture and, um, yeah. Just putting on some music and just... Music and dancing. Shaking your your bootay, playing with your kids, playing hopscotch with your kids. There's, like, oh, so man. many, so many ways Walking to Walking a dog, being just, with your dog. Yeah, move that energy. And, like, I mean, that's a big part of the mushroom experience in itself is... Uh, I mean, more and more I've come to realize this, and this is something that John Clark, who we just 
uh, interviewed, and you'll hear his podcast soon. Mm -hmm. He's a posture coach, and he talks a lot about this being a huge part of the psychedelic experience is the physical practice that can come Mm -hmm. in becoming aware of and moving energy that is stagnant and just practicing in that space, Mm -hmm. um, becoming more aware of of that in itself. And so this may become more apparent to you after you eat mushrooms is your need to move more may not be much of a mover right now, but Mm -hmm. that happens often. John's, John's story is an incredible story of this physical integration of an experience. It's yeah. It's like the, yeah. Yeah. Primo story of that. So, all right, moving on cognitive integration. Yeah, this is for the thinkers. Yeah. Thinkers. Uh, Put your thinking caps on. It's time for cognitive integration. I think there is value to deliberately, intentionally setting aside some time or while you're doing other stuff to think about, to contemplate the experience, right? You can have this flow state experience where stuff just bubbles up or you can say, wow, this all happened. How did this happen? How did that timeline unfold? You know, to, to intentionally take time to reflect on the experience. You're looking at, you know, how did the hours before the experience unfold? And then we dosed and then the trajectory and how, what all happened. And then during the experience, you know, while I was experiencing something and this was happening over there, but it seemed like we were connected or, you know, when I was having these insights, there was something else happening. There are landmarks that you can intentionally walk through to go back into the experience. And again, this is like the same, it's maybe more challenging for some to think about this in the framework of a psychedelic experience, but you can do it with anything. You know, if you have a, you go to a concert, you can intentionally think about the specifics that happened. And this is the one that I would suggest not spending a ton of time on, really, right? Um, Maybe contemplating your interpretation, you know, demands or benefits from a little more time spent there than the specifics of like, oh yeah, I saw the, you know, electric dragon or I saw, you know, all the kind of weird, you know, Mm -hmm. the... Because a lot of times when you get in these conversations, these verbal integrations, people want to walk back through the specifics of, I saw geometrics, and then I saw this, and then I saw that. And while sometimes that is really valuable, it's really perhaps more valuable to focus on kind of the way that you felt from those encounters, right? And then that can offer insight into interpreting the meaning of the experience. So is this something that you see, because I do get this kind of twisted with verbal integration, but in, it sounds like it can be mixed in with verbal integration. Of course, yeah. um, I envision this as being like filling out like a Byron Katie worksheet, like a judge your neighbor worksheet or mm. like some kind of like, be like actual putting the, Instead of just blah, 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 just like word vomiting mm-hmm. out what happened, putting more of a intentional framework and piecing out an experience yeah, it, it and could, looking at it, turning it around and 
that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something you can do. You know, people, I have certainly over in time, you know, journaled my experiences very specifically. You know, this Mm -hmm. is what I encountered and kind of documenting the whole thing. Uh, You know, I consider that to be a contemplative or cognitive form of integration. And, And also when you're just talking about the specifics of this is what happened um but just putting thought energy into it right like what 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 does that really mean what what do i take away from that and for me one of the most important aspects of that is to continue doing that i mean there are there are experiences that i've had decades ago that i continue to reassess my interpretation of them and that interpretation changes because of new information that's come to light or whatnot. And, um, you know, I also consider when I am listening to, you know, another source of information, like Bashar, you know, listening to Bashar, and he's Bashar. Bashar, and he's talking about these, you know, weird ass alien races that would have no meaning to me except for the fact that in 2016, I had a mushroom trip that told me all this same stuff. And so when I hear this come from another source and I think back, intentionally think back to how that trip played out, started in the garden and I went through this death experience. And then as I was dying, these beings came to me and told me about my past lives and the blah, 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 all these different interstellar stuff. And, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in all these different ways, meditating on it, talking about it, getting into flow states and trying to let it be, intentionally contemplating it, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, that that in particular, that really happened where uh, hearing this, you know, whatever channel or talk about uh, these just describing the same thing that I experienced in a mushroom trip six years ago. Um, it, it just gives me food for thought. And we maybe, justifiably so, we have, mm, I think we kind of poo-poo on thinking. You know, we talk about overthinking and uh, just don't think, just feel kind of stuff. And... I don't agree with that 100%. I mean, there's, there is some real value in putting... You don't need your brain. Just completely well, just no, I mean, go brain When dead. we met, I had a little paperweight that said think. And you said to me, like the first... I time, said, I'm trying to think less, less because right. I needed to think a lot less and, and I th- feel and myself a lot most more. Most of us probably do, mm-hmm. right? But So I'm mean, just saying, like, in order, to, in order to adjust our balance, we have focused intentionally more on feeling than thinking over the years. Uh, so when I start talking about thinking about my psychedelic experiences, I don't want you saying, I oh, just feel them. No, I need to think on them too. You know. Keep it jovial. Many, Keep it jovial. How many times you know? Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. I'm just reflecting on all the times you've told me to just like... <laughs> Chill out and just let it go. Let it go. Let it over go. The last I don't know the rest of the
You're thinking too much, Courtney. Get out of your head. I'm a hypocrite. What can I say? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we don't overthink this topic. Um, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, move on yeah. to meditation integration. What does that mean, meditation? Again, I think this is, I think this is where you could have some crossover in contemplative integration or cognitive integration because when I go into a meditation on an experience, <clears throat> then I will initially start with thinking about the experience and then allowing that to hopefully enter into the feeling space and then just being with whatever that energy was, you know, that was a big part of my meditating with the crystal a minute ago is um, I had this psychedelic experience that just, it was so weird, you know, like I, I was, I was even before mushrooms, I was, I got this intuition that I was about to get a crystal skull and then like a month later I go take mushrooms and the mushrooms like, take me through all this crazy uh, Egyptian history that I had no knowledge of. And then two days later, this giant crystal skull is given to me. And there's like the guy that gave it to me is telling me stuff that was told to me in my mushroom trip. And I was like, what the fuck? And so <clears throat> now when I sit and meditate with that, I very often use my original mushroom experience as a touch point, right? to get back into the energy of that experience. And then I try to just open up to that energy, that feeling, and allow a flow state to arise out of it, right? Meditation is another way to get into a flow state. Meditation uh, through brain scans, we um, suspect, anyway, I won't say we know, but it seems likely that meditation, deep, practiced meditation is the state that is most similar to a deep psychedelic experience, uh, at least in, you know, how the um, brain is functioning. You often behave very differently in a psychedelic experience than in meditation. Um, but, you know, we all, this is just another form of self-care that we all would benefit from, is <clears throat> taking 20 minutes or so up to, I don't know, two hours Even a day. five minutes, honestly. Just, I mean, yes. I know it's not the same, but like, right. mm -hmm. if you're like a single mom who's doing it all and, you know, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. It can it, be like, no, it's legit. Yeah. just five minutes. Yep. yep. Start your day off before you do start doing stuff. Just little chunks to kind manageable. of, I like how Abraham Hicks mm -hmm. talks about um, letting the cork float, right? How if we imagine our, um, inner being, I think is how she terms it, um, as this cork that is floating on water and it's just coasting through life. It knows where to go. It's like, it's just good. Like, it's all good. And our thoughts and worries and all the stuff that we pile on is just like holding this cork down. And when we meditate, if we can just clear our mind, relax our mind, <clears throat> then that cork will just float to the surface again. And that's what I feel like when I was over there meditating for 20 minutes. I just feel like I'm just kind of like, ah, uh, my real self is like able to just kind of be without all the shoulds and woulds and all that kind of stuff. 
So it's just a way to get into a flow state and to allow the subconscious to continue to express itself. Um, I don't know about that because I just, I just lead meditations. I don't actually do them. Well, this is a, a good point to bring up because it's actually a different form of meditation. The guided meditation isn't what, what I... I mean, guided meditations are great, and you do great guided meditations. Mine are so-so. There's some great ones online. <laughs> Bashar's are fucking rocking. You know, if you want a good guided meditation. Feel the vibration. I don't know about <laughs> that one. If you played me the weirdest Red. Bashar meditation... Yeah, the first Red. time. It's still really good. Nobody's going to go listen to Bashar after you. Well, what, are you trying to sell people on Bashar? Are you some kind of Bashar salesman? Man, Bashar's pretty If sad. you want to listen to Bashar, go listen to Bashar. If you don't, then don't. Get ready for some weird shit, though. With some truth, too. Don't I anyway, love Bashar. The, gu- the guided meditations are really valuable. Um... I don't know that they allow for as much flow or um, kind of subconscious stuff to come out. It's more now, of a cognitive. Now, there are experience. guided meditations. Some of the ones that I've really enjoyed are those guided meditations of self-discovery where you, like, go into a cave, and in the cave there's a box, and in the box is your, you know, inner being or whatever you want to call it or your inner child. And so that I like that kind of stuff because it does open up for... Um, and basically, you are just going to hear what Eric likes. You know, you could Those do the meditations. I lead. Yeah, you do adventure good. You meditations. Do, you do adventure meditations. Yeah. Whoa. My like cosmic consciousness meditation. Do I have that one on one of our playlists? I don't know, but it's. I get lots of good feedback on that. We put that on a playlist and get other people here. I know. Um, so I'm trying anyway. to think how I really like to. I like to sit with. It's like, it is really, it's really challenging for most people to sit and be Which is exactly why we should be doing it more. Which is the point. No. So I'm certainly in a stuck place with it. I used to do like one to two hour sitting meditations Mm -hmm. before we met. Like, regularly I was doing those. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then when we met, still, I was getting up at, like, 5 in the morning with the sunrise and had mm-hmm. a whole ceremony. And it was just astounding. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I was, felt like I was floating all day, almost, when mm-hmm. I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to get back into it. It's definitely a different level when you have little kids. Yeah. And when you're a mom, in particular, and the kids are, like... Attached yeah. to you, yeah. and right. they wake up like the earlier you wake up, the earlier they wake up. It's like yeah. something special. Back then, back then you just had <laughs> stepkids, and you're like, "What's Eric? <laughs> Eric's got that." Well, help! Somebody wipe my butt! Like, yep, ain't my baby. I oh. made a lot of breakfast sandwiches in the morning, okay? <laughs> did a lot of transportation. Yeah, I'm sure you play, did. But a, it was a, a whole different ballgame, that's for sure. You did a lot sure. of integration while you were making those breakfast sandwiches. And- <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> Being a stepmom. It's, it's, it's um, step-parents, boy, it's hard work. It's really hard work. I think it's harder than parenting if you're a good step-parent. Anyway. Anyway, that's a different podcast. Parenting integration, parental integration. <laughs> <laughs> that's shit. Hey, Comment my, below my on kids. all the forms of integration we did yeah, not talk right. about. Yeah, Agricultural integration. You know, farming. Uh, 
Now, seriously, my kids have been a massive integration tool for me to put into practice the lessons that are coming at me from mushrooms. Um, Our kids, the kids. The Um, kids. All right, let's move on to obedience integration. But I wanted to talk about meditation anymore. Did you? Not really. I did want to say that, like, the subject of meditation is, I believe, comparable to the subject of integration because it's another one of these kind of cliched things that we seem to, like we've now turned meditation into like, just take three minutes a day to be mindful, right? Like, is that really meditation? Mm, Is that really like? It's, I mean, it's relative. It's relative, but it's kind of like yoga. And that's where I feel like psychedelics and the integration it, of psychedelics yeah, is kind of taking on that. It's microdosing versus right. It's kind of for yeah. sure. Yeah, so a whole different. I'm not a purist, spectrum. but like there's, I don't know. It's just tricky. I'm a judgmental it depends asshole. Depends on what you're way. going for. You're gonna you're gonna cut you're gonna cut bread out of your diet, or you're gonna fast because you're gonna get very different experiences. And the hope is that it's an incremental step towards a deeper practice. Yeah. Right? So if all it. you can do is meditate for three minutes a day, some people might not start call there. that meditation, but start there. You might find benefit there. If you find it cha- if you find three minutes challenging, then you definitely need 30 minutes, you know? Like, and I'm speaking for myself, and it's something that we all would do well to just take time to silence ourselves allow our real inner voice to rise up and then take that self out into the world. Align with your highest frequencies. <laughs> I'm keeping the energy up. What? Courtney and I had a really right. fun weekend. We celebrated her birthday, which was a bit yeah. of an integration practice as well. It was. There's a lot of physical integration and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And uh anything else? <laughs> Moving on. There was some verbal integration. <laughs> Not much obedience integration. Obedience. Well, I don't know that that's there true was either. Community integration. I, well, I mean, so before we go to that, let's talk about this obedience thing. <laughs> A little sneak peek. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> Obedi- o- obedient. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know the mushroom can be something of a dominatrix. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, the non-binary mushroom <laughs> being is so, a freak. I think that the reason that people respond well to this when we bring it up in sanctuary and the trainings and whatnot is because it's not really talked about. I don't know if anywhere that I've heard this really directly spoken to, and that is doing what the mushrooms tell you to do. Those of you who have taken mushrooms a handful of times know that at some point or another, the mushroom's going to lay down the law. They're just going to tell you, hey, look, you're fucking up. You need to do this different. You need to do this better. You need to change some things about your experience. And that can be really hard to hear. Um, And it can be even harder to implement, particularly if you're having a solo experience and there's no one else that is even, that you talk talk about these things with. 
um, because it requires accountability. You know, there were many, many years, and, and there still are, there still are times when the mushrooms tell me to do something and I know that I should do it. And boy, I'm just not there yet. I just don't have the uh-huh. discipline. I I'm, I'm just don't have it. But I noticed that when I share these teachings, these instructions from the mushrooms with you or other members of my community, that I am much more likely to implement these changes. Uh, so, <clears throat> I just had a thought about what someone in our membership community who commented in Discord yesterday and mentioned that they'd gotten a big headache mm-hmm. after a mushroom experience, and um, they're going to talk about it on our ongoing ministry calls, but it brought up for me those times where the mushroom has been like, all right, let's talk. It's time to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And it's been like those experiences that are really intense and present me with things I've been avoiding looking at. Mm-hmm. Like the following day, like those are the times when I've gotten like massive headaches. And like, mm. because it's felt to me like this, resistance just like oh like um like this clenching in my energetic field that Mm -hmm. is being like almost like a massage getting like Mm -hmm. relaxed and worked out and just a lot of release that can be intense to manage physically but um yeah what you said about like sometimes we're just Sometimes it can feel like when we have those experiences of, all right, here's what's going on. You haven't been like being aware, paying attention, or putting into practice these things. You know you'd feel better. Your mm-hmm. life would be better if you did. Sometimes it feels like we got to do those things all at once. Mm-hmm. And like, oh my God, I've now I've got to quit my job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. I've got to leave mm-hmm. my spouse tomorrow and my whole life behind. I'm doing it all wrong. Mm-hmm. And so like obedience integration, that doesn't necessarily mean like you're being told to do <clears throat> all these things or that's how you perceive it. So you got to do them now. Right. That's not what no. we're communicating to no. be clear. No, <laughs> but... When the mushroom tells you to leave your job or, you know, something about a relationship, you need to pay attention to it. Yeah. You need to explore that. What are the options? Explore it with someone else who Mm -hmm. is impartial, someone that's not trying to get you to do what they want you to do. Um, Yeah, someone who's not wrapped up in the situation. Maybe, I'm wondering if you want to talk about that one experience where you had that we were, you know, you were living with someone... Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that whole thing? People would love to hear that story. It was some wild, that whole trip, the raccoons and all that. Do we have time sure. for that? I mean, we're at 20. Um, yeah, but if we do a 90 minutes. I think just like a, a real quick synopsis of that would be maybe appropriate. God, yeah. It's hard to do it justice real quick, though. Can I go? I'll, I'll go real fast. Okay. All right, so we're out recording our uh, trip by ourselves. Out, of my, out on the farm, <clears throat> we're up on the hill, surrounded by all this acreage. We've got a little hut behind us that I built and a little fire there. And um, as we're going into the mushroom space, I can see, like, Courtney's starting to get uncomfortable. 
Um, there was some stuff that you had said. I forget exactly what it was. But then basically, fast forward, you're sitting down. And as you're sitting there, I'm watching you go into this kind of like, looked like this slumped kind of fearful state. And then, uh, like, as that happened, we heard way off in the distance, we heard a raccoon. Like, this is like 9, 10 o'clock at night. We hear a raccoon, like, and you just like, thanks. Yeah, you just immediately, as soon as that first raccoon noise, way off in the distance, you immediately looked up in fear and you said, what's that? And I didn't even think, I don't even think it was me that said this. It just came out of my mouth. They're coming for you. <laughs> and, and you were like, what? And then, like, out in the distance, all these raccoons from all around out in the woods started making all these all this noise. And we could hear them, and they were getting closer and closer, and they were encircling us. And so these raccoons encircled us, probably like a dozen at least, just making all this noise, hissing and all this stuff. And I, like ran them off, you know, yelled at them and ran them off or whatever. And you were like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And then I would see you go through this, like, into this, like, confident posture and, like, just strong and determined. And you would do that, and the horses out in the field would be like, rah, rah, rah. I, I, watched, <laughs> I watched this cycle repeat three times. The raccoons come in, you would go into this, slumping, fearful state, and the raccoons would come in, I would run them off, and then you would go through this period of confidence, and the horses would make all this noise, and that happened three times over the course of about an hour and a half. These are the benefits of not tripping with a playlist, just saying. <laughs> and having somebody else there with you, because we talked about this for years, and it, it, it happened. Undeniably, it happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like... I felt like Gandalf in Lord Even of the, the Rings. the fire was responding. The fire was, I had that, remember I had that staff and I was just like, dude, it was, it yeah. was wicked wild. So anyway, we go through this whole experience and then at the end of it, we come, Courtney's like, we're talking about like, what the fuck just happened? And you were like, oh my God, my roommate has a raccoon in the freezer. And then you're like, I don't know the situation. She's got books in the freezer and raccoons in the freezer. This house is haunted that we're um, we're living in. Like this is all bad. I gotta get out. I gotta get the fuck out of this situation. This is bad, 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 bad. And then you like the next day, Courtney goes back to that place, and when she opens the door to go in the house, a live raccoon falls out of the soffit right in front of her. But the message of that trip was get away from this situation. This is an unhealthy, or at least that's how we interpreted it interpreted it at that time was you're in an unhealthy place. I didn't know at the time I interpreted it as a like major warning to Mm -hmm. GTFO. Yeah. I was terrified. I was actually terrified to step foot in the building and I was shaking like really intensely. Like I was really scared <laughs> i went in to get my stuff and i ran out and i was intending to like spend the night and be in my room and i could not do it i was terrified to be there and i i did t- i <laughs> and i conveyed all of this to the person my the housemate who owned the home that 
all the the whole trip I explained it to her and I told her like I feel like I'm being told to leave and I'm scared and I need you to know like I feel like communicating this to you is a big part of why I had that experience and she overall received it well <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not sure how many changes she made but um and I love her dearly to this day mm-hmm. she's just you know, very unique personality. But for me, looking back, as time went on and Mm -hmm. I gravitated away from that environment, I mean, relatively quickly. I got myself (laughs) out, actually. It was within, like, four weeks. I was like, bye. Yeah, I don't know if you even stayed there. Did you even stay there? I actually did not. I think I tried to stay there one night, and I lasted until, like, one in the morning, and I left in the middle of the night, and I never went back for the night. Um, yeah, it was a legitimately intense, uh, energetically heavy environment. Um, but looking back on that, I see it now as a wake up call for me to be aware of boundaries and having boundaries in my life Mm -hmm. and setting boundaries for myself and just having that conversation with that person was monumental for me. The fact that I I'd never confronted someone like that about mm. the space that they were keeping, and that was huge. Would you do it differently looking back? Would I do what, it differently? What, what would you do differently, if anything? I would probably not. Now I would not be so afraid. Um. Because I was even afraid to talk with her. I felt it's one of those things when people talk about good and evil. Mm-hmm. And the more that we feed this idea of evil, mm-hmm. the more evil thoughts we begin to have. Quote unquote mm-hmm. evil, mm-hmm. like really dark, mm-hmm. um, like ah, stay away from me, like salt in a circle. Like, um, you know, like that kind of energy uh-huh. uh, is what, uh, how I responded back then. Right. And now, or when I've had mushroom experiences in the past five years, um, I've started to see that that's not, there's wake-up calls, um, in life and they're an opportunity for growth and people I believe at their core are not evil. Mm -hmm. Like at at our core, all of us are made of the same Mm -hmm. and we have these opportunities in our life to have communications. And this is what we're here for is to have these experiences with other people. And so seeing it more back then, like if it were me, then I would, approach it with a more of a gentleness mm-hmm. with myself mm-hmm. and her, um, mainly with myself because I felt as if I was completely naive. I was really hard on myself for even getting in that situation. And it manifested in just tension. I mean, I was clenched mm-hmm. for weeks mm-hmm. after that, feeling mm-hmm. like... I had really done some damage in my life and I was just really hard on myself. So I would probably talk to some friends about it, you know, today mm-hmm. and ask, you know, what are you what are your thoughts about this? How should I navigate this? 
and um, yeah, not feel like I've got to make these big, radical, urgent moves immediately. Right. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing to bring up in this because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, it can be easy coming out of these shocking experiences to say, oh my God, I've got to get away from this situation. But burning bridges. Um, right. Just, just it makes it very harder. To, I mean, it's like digging a deeper hole yep. to act Absolutely. reactively um, because life just doesn't generally work like that. I mean, in reality, like, yes, it can seem like that, mm-hmm. but these things are accumulating over time. These lessons are not mm-hmm. overnight lessons. Mm-hmm. These are things that have been building up mm-hmm. over a period of time and integrating. These experiences happen over a period of time no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I still feel like the main cause of us or of, of being arrested, <clears throat> I, f- I still feel like it had a lot to do with me not doing what the mushroom said in terms of getting my cannabis use under control. Because mm. um, I had, I was 35 at that time. I had been smoking cannabis every single day, like nonstop every day, <clears throat> for about mm, at 35, about 15 years. When I was 20, I just started, they put me on Zoloft, I was like, nope, and um, just started using cannabis all day, every day, and past the point where it was useful, and mushrooms would tell me very f- frequently to get it under control, you know, I never had to quit, like there was never, it was never like, Stop it. It was always like just, you know, put the brakes on, man. And I wouldn't. And um, that was the first time that I stopped using cannabis in 15 years was when we were arrested for those two and a half years that we were on probation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as, as soon as the thing happened that led to that, it, it was it was like... I w- it was like, because we were tripping when it happened, you know, and it was like, this is why, this is what happens when you don't listen to the mushroom. And I was like, it was fuck. I'm curious about yourself, though. What Have you ever experiences where, you know, you've been instructed to do a certain thing and you did not obey? And how did that turn out from the mushroom? What comes up most for me is, again, this, this boundaries kind of, um, instruction to or being shown where I'm not standing up for myself for myself in my life and letting that go after having the experience feeling like oh, oh like that was that was intense I don't think I'm ready to look at that for a while mm. and not doing it and then then something else happens like in our relationship that is really painful and is a result of mm-hmm. me not communicating my needs mm-hmm. and actually following through with those communications. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I said this, these are my needs. They're not being met. And then letting it go. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well guess my needs don't matter and being shown that in the mushroom space where I'm suffering and feeling like 
You need to communicate these things. And what happens when you don't? Well, my needs continue to not be met. Mm -hmm. But does it like get worse? Does the problem get deeper, or, or have you felt that way, or is it just kind of? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely gets worse. Um, it's a compiling like, like a hoarder almost. It's like mm. a similar thing. Mm. You yeah. don't listen to clean up. You don't clean up or be aware of you know not accumulating things like saying no. Uh, I don't know. Actually, that doesn't bring me joy in my life. When we don't do that, then we keep inviting in things mm -hmm. that just, they're crap. They mean very little to us. Then we end up in a space, an energetic space full of crap that it gets harder and harder and harder to clean. Mm -hmm. It takes more energy to clean it up. And so, yeah, just more situations that are deeper in, like mm -hmm. continuing to get deeper involved in other relationships and scenarios that are just like, oh my gosh, this is getting worse. I'm more out of alignment mm -hmm. now than I was before. I, I would almost say across the board, you know, all the people I've worked with, the people, those who have benefited the most are the ones who have mm -hmm. followed the instruction. They've obeyed the mushroom immediately. Um, our good friend Laura comes to mind, you know, I won't go into specifics of her story or identify her, but, you know, she's someone that you know in our community knows has really implemented the changes. That doesn't mean that everything's going to go easy because anytime you implement some significant changes in your life, then there's going to be pushback. There's going to be hurdles that come up. But by sticking to what you know is right, eventually you will get to the outcome that you desire. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, and I've also, let me just real quick, I'll just say that I've also, finally, you're cutting me off. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Thanks. It's part of my obedience integration. <laughs> uh, that I have also seen many times and experienced my own self at times not doing what the mushrooms told me to do or my higher self or whatever it is that's communicating to us and seeing the detriment that that brings into my experience yeah and this isn't again black and white right this sounds like when when i hear you say obeying the mushroom i mean Obey. there could come with a very like martyrdom type of vibe to it and Whoa. it's i mean i see it more if you think of it in terms of because i think of the mushroom as a like a mentor, mm -hmm. like someone that I have partnered with, knowing they have a lot more experience than me in a certain realm. Mm -hmm. And I would, I'm asking for feedback, I'm asking for support and perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's like when we hire a financial advisor and they're like, hey, if you would balance your checkbook once a month, you probably wouldn't find yourself in this situation. And you're like, yeah, no, I hired you to tell me some things, but mm, probably not going to do that. Never mind. Like, I don't want to take your advice. Like, it's kind of for me, I see it more kind of in that kind of terminology instead of, I don't know. I'm just, 
I'm pointing that out because it is kind of an intense term to like. Yeah, but as you obey, as but, you know, like you get in these experiences, and they will sometimes pin you down and tell you, like, look, you better change, or this is gonna happen. Yeah, you know, and right. so. It is, it is a strong word, and there's maybe a better or a different word that could be used um, to communicate that nuance. But Yeah, because, um, I, because I do feel like that is part of what, when I look back at that experience we just talked about with the raccoons and my mm-hmm. housemate, mm-hmm. that kind of uh, language was part of what I would not bring into another experience like that. Mm-hmm. Um Feeling this, like, really heavy uh, urgency that was not, I don't, in retrospect, feel that was helpful for me. So, I'm just trying to, like, keep it, you know, keep it, like, in balance and flow when we talk about being shown things. Like, Mm -hmm. we can bring lightness, and that is, I feel like, a big part of this whole (laughs) The whole thing, the whole experience that the mushroom can show us is like, it's the way in which we do things oftentimes that can make all the difference. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And I think that the way that we obey is really important. But the way that the mushroom communicates, all the way back to our knowledge anyway with Maria Sabina, you know, you've seen those instances that like Maria Sabina herself, like, the spirit is speaking through her and she's like, you have to change your life because we mm-hmm. like Bruce Lipton talks about this and in other places, you, you know, the reality that we very often need those powerful emotional shakeups yeah. to make the change. Right. And so when I think about obedience I mean, like I think about, you know, um, cause and effect, like, if I tell my kid to, to like, obey my instruction, it's for their own good. You know, or my dog, if I take my dog for obedience training, you know, then, like, it's to help, it's to help the animal. It's not, I know that we do have a, a context around obey that, like, comes from this, like, legalism. And, you know, you think about just, like, the punitive punishment coming down all the time. But there's a reality, too, like, it's mm-hmm. like... It's this or that, you know, you do get a choice, which one, but Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you choose the unhealthy option, then you're going to continue to experience more and more unhealthy outcomes. So, um, I'm certainly open to augmenting the language. Um, but for me right now, I guess, because I was raised in such a legalistic family where (laughs) obey, you know, that's where I'm at right now. But anyway, we'll move on from here. We can we can come out with some different language. We'll keep it jovial. <laughs> jovial. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. My favorite one, really, where this is really all about, and all of this can ultimately, I think, be lumped up under community integration because all of this stuff that we've just talked about can most effectively take place within the context of community. I don't care if that's like say, if it's a physical integration or if it's contemplative or if it's you know uh, verbal, talking with your community, getting out and 
playing some tennis or going for a walk in the park or, you know, physical activities with someone in your community that as ideas come up, maybe you can reflect on. Of course, there's value in doing all those things by yourself. I don't say you always have to be with people, but for goodness sakes, we are tribal and yet we live in many boxes, like M-I-N-I boxes, and very seldomly even know the person that's living in the miniature box next to us. So psychedelic work overall is still being placed in this um, clinical box where you will have a psychedelic experience under the care of two trained facilitators, and it's a personal private experience that you then integrate with your therapist. That method has utility, but I will promise you, it's not even something that I know. It's something that humans have known for millennia, that these experiences are most effective in the community context. And the integration of these experiences is most effective in community context, particularly because of the accountability and the feedback that we get from each other. Yeah, and the appreciation that we get from mm, each other. Amen. That's, um, ah, that's huge. It's mm-hmm. so huge. Reflecting on our last camping retreat and seeing all these people who have been getting to, most of them getting to know each other for the past year plus uh, via Zoom calls Mm -hmm. and various contexts and um, over messaging threads and like hearing all the ins and outs of like what people are experiencing and then coming together and like, it's just this, oh, it's so rich. It's Mm -hmm. like, you've heard of the community soup stone it's like (laughs) what the fuck are you talking about i'm just feeling very soup stone i'm just feeling very 1800s today you are you are definitely you know the soup stone that's it's a seasoning stone that gets passed around in the community like you use it in your no i don't know this my community has never had a stone for our soup it's a stone, and you put it in your stew, and then you, you clean it off and pass it around, but it seasons all the other. It's totally sterile. Stephen, Nancy, are you listening? Where was our stone in the soup we for our retreat? We need to get one. We have a stone that, from retreat to retreat, we've passed this stone down for generations. Yeah, yes, that's a thing. Look it up. my grandpa's carrots. Okay, <laughs> cool. Your community has a flavor well, uh, in a stone. Okay. Well, that's how I see, <laughs> in a way, our community. It's like building up over time. It's this, like, rich, like, scrapbook that has so many stories and, like, it comes together. And mm-hmm. um, it's <sighs> in a group context. Like, you can pull all these pieces out. You're forming a web, like, Mm -hmm. that is connecting all these dots that can only happen with other people over time. You can only connect the dots with, like, a team. Think of, like, a detective and its team. Like, they, they, 
you have to get to know each other's personalities. <laughs> a detective <laughs> and his team? I've got lots of metaphors. <laughs> what? Just start eating soup <laughs> stones? <laughs> the detective team has a soup stone. So <laughs> one of the examples that I've seen in the last two days of, like, of something real <laughs> versus something out of the 1800s or Sherlock Holmes or some shit uh, is, uh, is what's going on with our most recent camping retreat members. Right? Yeah. So we had, uh, you know, our integration call afterwards and talking about experience and catching up and everything. And of those 16 people, I don't know, probably 14 of 16 have already independently scheduled another Zoom call to all talk to each other without mm-hmm. me being involved. Yeah. Right? I mean, I may at some point get back involved or whatever in these conversations, but like, that is such a beautiful living example of what community integration looks like. And I like it, it's, it's impossible for me to overstate this because right now, Psychedelic therapy, psychedelics are being spoken of again as this isolated individual experience. And that is just, that's just not the best approach. It's not the safest approach. It's not the most effective approach. It's not how it's been done by our ancestors. And it's not how we're going to be doing this in the future as this continues to unfold. So I just kind of want to bring people along quicker, put all that as much as you can aside, yes, some people benefit from a solo experience, especially if there's some really deep trauma work. But even that, how many times have we seen people identify with others who have suffered from, you know, the same kind of sexual abuse or whatever it might be? Yeah. So to have that reflection of your community member, to look at you and say, I have been there, I know your pain, and we can get through this together, is incredible mm-hmm. it's incredible yeah it's isn't this kind of like this a similar concept as getting married in front of your community with your mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. saying your vows to your life partner in front of all these people that you that have been and you expect to be in your life because it's a it's you're being witnessed mm-hmm. and there it's that just magnifies any experience mm-hmm. is the knowing that you're participating with others who are having their own perception and their own memory being formed and so as we continue to come together with each other it's like yeah i remember that time when i like told this person that i was going to do this thing and like you remember that i know you remember that mm-hmm. so as i go through this other situation you have this memory of me doing this powerful thing and you can remind me of that and that informs how you share your opinion with me. Mm-hmm. And, and even if it's not directly spoken to, there's a knowing. Yeah. I know that you know yeah. that I know I need to do something differently yeah. or that I need to process something or whatever. Um, so the accountability, the um, container of support that it creates the ongoing, because again, you're going to be, you're going to be integrating these experiences probably for the rest of your life. That's another challenge that I have with this conversation around integration is because we talk about it like, okay, well, you've integrated your psychedelic experience. Are you ready for your next one? 
or don't have your next experience until you fully integrated your first experience. Like you're going to be integrating these experiences for the rest of your fucking life. And to have a community to do that in is so powerful. And I think that's why we don't hear, to my knowledge, we don't hear traditional cultures who are still practicing psychedelic, whatever, shamanism or religion. There's not like this like huge emphasis on integration because it's already integrated into their lives. And then this whole topic of, you know, not in a, not having another psychedelic experience until you've integrated your previous one. You know, there are ayahuasca communities that every single weekend the same people get together and take ayahuasca and it's not considered experience chasing, it's not considered um, whatever misuse or however we often speak about that practice, you know, like if I was to take mushrooms every weekend like I have in the past, there would be people who are saying, you know, are you giving enough time to integrate your experiences? Well, after a certain point when psychedelics are an integrated part of your life, then the psychedelic experience is also another way to integrate past experiences. So this conversation just doesn't fit in a nice little box. Uh, and, you know, hopefully this will, for some people, this will give a, uh, a broader perspective, a, just a different perspective on integration. There's tons of great information out there, and there's so much truth. You know, there's the, the kind of basic way of integrating an experience through talk therapy and all that has value, but it just doesn't end there. And hopefully we've communicated that well. Yeah. And in a jovial so. manner. I feel like our intention was fulfilled. Going I'm really excited about episode. our next podcast. Our yeah. 100th episode. Oh, yeah. Hey. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, we, should have a, we should talk about podcast integration. We integrate... We, we, we'll probably integrate this later. We didn't talk about food integration. Yeah, I'm There's still some... integrating the chocolate bar I ate for breakfast. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there's so much here. Anyway, thank you all for listening. This is always so wonderful sitting down with my wife when she takes the time to communicate. Love you. Love you too. Yeah, comment. Comment below. Comment below if you're watching on YouTube. Comment below and let us know how you like to integrate things and if you like my shoulder dance <laughs> okay that's all, all see right. you on the 100th episode yay